going, lads? We're back with the Naked and Famous podcast. My name's Dan O'Cattle. I'm Rob Vieira. Evokes Jimmy B. And today we're joined by the one and only, the piglet, Kenny Love. How you guys doing? K-Love. K-Love, one of the bartenders at the Pig, been with us now a few years. How you been doing, Kay? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm glad you guys took me in. You know, first restaurant job, no zero experience, a lot of knowledge. Good stuff. None yeah. before ever. Oh. Yeah. Now you guys just hire anybody, huh? Yeah, uh, I guess. <laughs> but look how it worked out. Yeah, we started them off as a dishwasher. Yeah, yeah you know. On, on, on the glass machine, just washing dishes, <laughs> making no eye contact. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to talk to nobody or see anybody. Or just don't forget to touch nobody. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah, it. I, I Kirby made that one very specifically. I don't, if you don't mind me saying, I don't think that you weren't allowed. I think that you felt uncomfortable doing it. Which because is definitely we didn't allow him. Yeah. Which is definitely <laughs> learning. Don't mind him, but... It definitely, you know, you could probably talk us through this a little bit, Kilov. Like, when you start off in the service industry, it's a little bit daunting and weird, right? Because everybody's sitting there kind of looking at you, but not really, but you are in the public eye and you have to walk by a bunch of people and, you know, do they feel uncomfortable yeah, at the time? Yeah, no, I would say it's definitely being, like, on display or it's like, um, remember how we talk about it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a show. You got to, um, how do I say this? Basically, you, like you just want to cater to the guests, but you know you don't you don't want them taken out of the the immersion of the space that they're in. Mm. Yeah. So and so like it's like um, learning how to play that role, and so like for somebody like me who comes from being really like, introverted or not that social, that's it was like a big step. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to get like really comfortable. Even to today, like I'm I'm able to talk and socialize a little bit more, but I'm still trying to learn and develop those skills a lot more. Mm. But it's skills, a of, and it's a lot of growth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your skills come a long way, though. Yeah. No? Like, I feel like uh, being part of the play and being part of the immersion, the immersion of the guest and, you know, setting the stage and seeing it start to finish, um, it definitely gives you a different perspective from the work standpoint or from the yeah. service standpoint, right? Like, where... Um, after a little while, you kind of take it more as a joke, right? Like everything has to be kind of a joke, and yeah. you got to keep it like obviously professional, but you still got to understand that we're playing this play, and that this is all like you know not. It's not exactly how human interaction would go down completely naturally, mm-hmm. right? Because we all are kept keeping in our roles, and we're trying to, as you said, like keep the immersion of the experience for the guest um i think there's a i think there's a giant part that comes with that of kind of knowing that you can't take any of it too serious even when we're stressed and we're running around and it's hectic there's a time where that little laugh the not taking it too serious the break where we can all look at each other and laugh that it almost resets the stage for us yeah for the guest we're trying to keep it constant and obviously you want it to be like light-hearted fun and professional mm. but for us as the person who may be doing this for the next 12 to 14 hours and not to mention the next whatever four days straight if you're you know doing thursday friday saturday or as kenny does monday to friday um you know not to get stuck into the seriousness of it is like a big thing because sometimes when you take things too serious, when you're like serving and maybe you get into, uh, 
you forget about the stage that's set and you forget about the other guests and, you know, people can feel it. If you leave, if you leave one conversation with one guest and it got serious, say, like, you forgot the stage and you got serious and you moved to the next guest and now this guest just walked in, you're serving them, blah, 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 and you're like, right, I'm still kind of on the same emotional wavelength as I was from talking through whatever experience I had with the last guest or however much connectivity there was with the last guest. And now we're back with a brand new person and I can't just dive into this as if I've been sitting talking to this person for like two hours, but also I can't forget to set the stage, to play the game. Services have to go down as normal. But the conversation, it's hard to maintain that and to, you know, to pick each guest or guests if there's two of them and know how much you should give and how much you should stay away and that's kind of a fine line of balancing that can become awkward yeah. stay too long if you talk too much if you interrupt the guest conversation be- between mm. themselves or it gets awkward where you leave this guy on his own for too long and actually he does need a little bit of conversation and you've left it a while and now to go back and pick it back up again is like a whole new start of it mm. um i feel that's like that's I think that's one of the main differences between sitting at the bar and sitting at a table. Yeah. You know, like we went out somewhere recently and we were sitting at a table and we were having a great time, honestly. And then the server came over and he kind of like interjected in our conversation. And I know he was just trying to be friendly. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, he kind of just like ruined it. You just yeah. came in there. Yeah. Whereas if you're at the bar, you know, the bartender's up and down and he's very, very vocal and, you know, chatty with you guys. And that's really what you're getting there to do. But that's the fine line that you draw between serving and bartending, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful. What's the most awkward role point you've found yourself in, Kenny, with a guest where you were like, ah, no, I can't believe I'm after going into this now or I'm after saying this or I'm after getting involved in this conversation? Um, Oh, man, it's when I, I had to cut off some old lady. She, was, <laughs> I, she had, like, three Long Islands and, like, no. she just started saying, like, crazy stuff. What crazy stuff? Man, she was just like, um, she asked me about Ash Wednesday and she was like, oh, you got to celebrate Christmas. And like, oh, you know, you don't celebrate Christmas. Like, you know, get the fuck out of this country or whatever, whatever. <laughs> and like, when I said it was a couple like Middle Eastern people. And I'm just like, all right. I, 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 How many Long Islands did you give her? She had like three. The points? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> what time was it? This is early, right? It was like in the morning. Yeah. It's a problem, man. That's the way to get the morning going. Though. Yeah, no. And then before that, she was talking about how like, uh, oh, the sisters... You know, they never liked me wherever I worked at. The and the other. I'm like, all right, all right cool. All right. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, what do you want? So the daytime is arguably more dangerous than the nighttime because yeah. you just have the weirdos come in. Yeah, I used to get, like, random people come in. Sometimes, like, I think, like, oh, you know, maybe they're just a little bit strange. But I'm like... After so a while, I they're a lot strange. Of, yeah. And uh-huh. it's just like, some of them used to be, like, a random cracker just passing by. And it's just like, oh, all right. Did you say a crackhead or yeah. a cracker? A crackhead. Oh, right. Oh. Uh, you know, speaking of that, I was working in uh, in a place, uh, I don't want to mention the name, because this is a kind of bad story, and I swear to Jesus, I thought the lady died at the counter. I swear to God. She came in and she Did had... Did you a, see her spirit rise? No, but I was like, I seen my fucking heart rate go up. I was like, no, not on my shift, not on my shift. <laughs> so she comes in and she drinks something, right? I think it was like a Long Island, probably along the same lines, and she had two. And then after a while, I'm like... She was she was like this. And I was like, Miss, can I get you another beverage? And she didn't hear me. And I was like, I'll do a walk around. I'll come back. Hey, Miss, can I get you a beverage? And she didn't hear me. And I went back. I was like, Miss, can I get you a beverage? And I touched her on the hand. And her hand was like cold. I was like, oh, no. no fucking way. 
I was like, no way, this, this fucking lady just died. <laughs> like, I had called an ambulance. And hey, that's I was like, how I want to go. I think this lady just died. I want to die. Yeah. I want to die swear. in front of somebody like, at a bar and be like, you're a problem now. Yeah. Right when Here I feel go, like, pal. you know how they say like dogs, like when they know they're going to die, they go to their like favorite place. They cuddle up and. No. That's yeah, dogs, really? Yeah, dogs will do that. If they, like, if they'll know themselves it's time and they'll go to it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a bar and just sit there and be like, it's going to happen here. And you are going to have to deal with it now. That's, that that that's makes me feel sad. I was on vacation <laughs> one time in DR, Dominican Republic, and I was on a resort. And there was a guy that was laying there the whole day. It turns out the next day I found out he was dead. Yeah? What? He died on vacation with his family and everything. Yeah. No. That's sad, right? That's so crazy. Never go on a vacation. But at again. least they had the time. <laughs> at least they had the time now set aside. Yeah, no, I mean, it was good that he was with his family, like, right before he died. But imagine, like, that guy just sitting there. Multiple people must have sat next to this guy, not knowing he was dead. That's or tanning, on him. On the tanning beds. That's like when uh, people die inside their apartments, and, like, they don't, they, nobody knows, except for, like, a neighbor passing by. And in like, Ireland, that happens a lot. Yeah? Gross. Yeah, like, in Ireland, that happens, but because it's so rural, okay. you could have, like, an old dude who's living there by himself who's, like, 70, or a woman who's, like, 80, and they might be, like, three miles from the nearest neighbor. And, you know, an old person doesn't get out that much. Maybe no one notices they're gone mm. for a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. And then the body starts to break down. You have all that weird stuff that happens, like the gases and stuff. Yeah. I heard one about, like, the, um, the lady. She had cats and the cats were eating her. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, isn't that one of the fundamental differences between dogs and cats? They say, like, if, a, if the owner of a dog died in the house and the dog was left there, and they say the dog would, like, starve to death and just die. But the cats would be like, no, nah, I'm not dying. I'm eating you. That's yeah, well, but and most likely she was probably eating cats before that too. So it's the circle of life. Excuse We've all watched the Lion King. So moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the Fourth of July, lads. Yes, Fourth of July. And we all seen the Glizzy Gladiators. The Glizzy Gladiators. The Glizzy, glizzy Gladiators going at it again. Do you want to talk us through the Glizzy Gladiators? Whatever you call them. The Glizzy Gladiators. The Glizzy Gladiators, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like. Every year, obviously, we've got the 4th of July big uh, Walters hot dog eating competition, isn't it? I know it's a hot dog competition. I don't know if it's sponsored by Walters. I don't know which one it is. Nathan's. Nathan's. There we go. Only in America. Right? Uh, only The only country I've ever come to that See, like, I, only, I only ever heard <laughs> televises. about that kind of stuff as a kid, but like, I didn't know that was still like being a thing now. Yeah, every 4th of July. Apparently. And they're even better Island. now. The athletes that enter, they're oh, now can't even... can't call them athletes. Oh, they are athletes. No. Why? No, no. What do you call them? The participants? Gluttonous, sinful heathens. Heathens? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right, so the gluttonous, sinful heathens who compete against each other as the glizzy gladiators. The right? people who prove that they can eat more than somebody else. Yeah. Gross. And I'm not sure it even you could... You, I suppose, yeah, it, it does have to be eaten. Though I'm not sure if it can't... Like, they don't... Sometimes they just go... <laughs> But so, what are you doing? Are you ingesting eating? That's what I'm saying. They're breeding it sometimes. They breed it in. Okay, so funny story. I was in kindergarten, right? And I'm sitting down, and it's lunchtime, and I had a hot dog. Literally, the whole hot dog went down my throat. I was choking for like a good 30, 45 seconds. Was it hot? Panicking. It's a hot dog. But was it hot? No, it was a cold dog. (laughs) (laughs) But it's way worse if you're choking on something that's hot. Those things. Can easily slide down your throat. I know it can throat you guys. Can, Anything can know, slide down my throat. Nothing's going down mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I should, I, I've often thought about it. It's just the fact that the hot dogs are carcinogens. I wouldn't eat it. Right? Like they the hot, the hot dog itself is a carcinogen. 
Yeah. If there wasn't a carcinogen, if this was like a grass-fed piece of glizzy, right? Beef without all, without all of the without all of the glizzy goodness and the chemicals that went into oh. it, I definitely give it a try and just try to swallow. Have as you many seen how hot dogs. dogs are made? Like chicken nuggets, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, just mash so, up all the yeah, guts. It's, it looks like a paste at the end of the day. Uh, but honestly, I think like these people who are having these contests, like if you compete in this five years, you probably give yourself cancer from all that. I don't know. How, people how, are in it longer than five how long years. Is, running. How long has Joey Chestnut been doing? Jo- Joey Chestnut is the champion for everybody that doesn't know. And you know his record is was he the same year. guy as the Joey Aesthetics guy? No, definitely not. Oh, okay. They might be at the same ath- athletic level. Yeah, they're definitely. Well, like, a different spectrum. I don't think your man, your man uh, Joey <laughs> Athletic died, right? Yeah, Joey Athletic. Right, died. so he died, but he wasn't actually eating any hot dogs competing as like he might be an athlete but he wasn't a competitive athlete i don't think so he was just like doing it for the fun kind of thing yeah whereas the glizzy gladiators they're putting their life on the line for the sake of athleticism and competition sportsmanship exactly and for for america for america it is very very stereotypical american thing though you just imagine you know you can you can imagine like the norse doing some sort of crazy viking race you know you throwing yeah rocks or something and you can imagine russians fighting bears and then americans you can imagine just golfing Goblin hot dogs Goblin yeah sorry guys, the truth. yeah yeah happy fourth of july everybody I, I but you know what you gotta love it because i guarantee you in japan there's a ramen eating competition where they're just guzzling ramen slurping it up or some yeah. sort of uh I've hentai seen, thing and and that's what we should yeah. really do yeah we, i want <laughs> to see do. the Probably, hentai yeah. thing yeah most likely, yeah. Yeah, I think I think hospitality itself should have more than just this one. I think there should be like. Do you consider this hospitality? It's definitely hospitality, right? We're still, it's still, you're still. Is it Nathan's? Is the hot dog company mm-hmm. Nathan's? Nathan's is definitely still part of the hospitality industry, right? I suppose you sell food. Yeah. So technically, you have to like. I suppose to sell glizzies. So dogs, I, you so might I, as well just eat a can of dog food. Yeah, same thing. Can we talk about real quick? Can we talk about Joey Chestnut's record? What Do you know it? what the record is? No. He had sixty-two hot dogs in ten minutes. In ten minutes. Is in that the most minutes. in the whole of America? Is he the guy who holds he, the record for everybody? I think he's. The, but sixty-two in ten minutes—that's over six hot dogs every single minute. Six, so one hot dog yeah. every six seconds? Possibly. Is right. that how it works out? One hot dog every six seconds? 6.2 seconds? Yeah, no, no. Re- look up the record. I, yeah, we got the math right. But six hot dogs. Uh, hot dogs. It oh. is by Joey Chestnut? Yeah, but it wasn't this year. Yeah. Ah, uh, so he's not on the incline anymore. He's not in the peak. Peak athletic performance. performance. He's in the way down. Now. Yeah. <laughs> He's going down. So we should all. There's a chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But we should all take a, a appreciation right now that we are living in the time of the goat of the glizzy gladiators. Mm. Right. Like he is the John Jones of guzzling glizzies. Mm. He is Jordan. the Muhammad Ali, the Michael Jordan. Mm. Right. Can't even take this conversation serious right now. <laughs> really Kenny, is. me and you know. That's it. Yeah. I'm, about, I'm gonna get my um, what's his name? George Chestnut. Chestnut. Yeah, I'm gonna get a jersey by him. Come yeah. on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start rapping. Let's go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's King. not that much, though. No. Oh yeah. 
How much does this guy Do you work? have to open the shells on the pistachios? Because that would be more impressive. If this is a pistachio eating competition where you have to open the shells on the pistachio, now you have my attention. Right? If you're just like handfuls of pistachios, that's there's no skill. There's no finesse. If you're each pistachio and then you got to get the little bit of salt inside the inside the shell out, then you're on it for me. I can't... Uh, they should call him Joey Pistachio now if he's entering into the competitions for that too. That's there. Right? But what about your man, Joey, uh, the other end of the spectrum? Joey, uh, what's his name? Joey... Aesthetics. Joey Aesthetic, right? He ate no glizzies and died. Mm. And then you have the other guy who ate all the glizzies and didn't die. Direct correlation. Right? Uh. You got to see how it works. It's like aesthetics equals death and glizzies equals life. Uh. <laughs> Right. Oh my God. No. Yeah, no. 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 What age is What age is Joey Chestnut? That's a good question. He's definitely in his like. Yeah. It was right. And jo- and Joey Aesthetics. He was thirty. No. Was he even? Right. So what? What are we? What are we talking about here? Right. I you got the thirty-year-old Aesthetic. He's forty-nine. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. He's dead. Yeah. Early thirties. Thirty-one. Died from I'm a brain aneurysm. 30, brain aneurysm at 30, no glizzies. Mm-hmm. And then at 39, you become right? champion. champion. Come on. Next level. World renowned. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we should all get the jersey. That's it. Glizzies over aesthetics. That's it. Health, <laughs> science. It's the only way. Hmm. But it's crazy to think that you have like two guys in one week who... Well, I suppose they're not like weren't getting world fame, but they were just getting like their name touched, shined in the light a little bit. Like you'd one guy obviously competes in an eating competition. He gets his name out there every 4th of July, probably for this hot dog eating competition. Then you have this other guy who I probably came across a few times on the internet and didn't really pay Mm. much attention to him. And then he died. And I'm like, obviously, you know, everybody knows this guy. And I'm sure he had avid followers who who liked his, you know, whatever he produced and stuff. Yeah, it's content. I yeah, it's content. Yeah. And, um, but it's funny. It's like how in the same week around the 4th of July, both of these guys get like the shine of light and how different their lives are. And yet you would expect the opposite. Like if you heard one of the guys died from a brain aneurysm, right? Mm. And one guy didn't die and was going on to live his life as is. You would kind of expect it. If I'd have said to you, did you hear Joey Chestnut had a brain aneurysm? You'd yeah, be like, it's surprised. about time. Mm. Right? And then you say, did you hear Joey Aesthetics died of a brain aneurysm? And they're like, no, I didn't hear that. Or whatever. You know, he that's died, an, he was that's an interesting story with Joey Aesthetics. Because, you know, you would think that he's at the peak athletic level. And by peak athletic level, I mean like the peak health level. Well, you, we all know the peak male athletic fitness is actually what Tyson Fury looks like. Yeah, that's much. peak male athleticism yeah, yeah. isn't actually yeah, the aesthetic. most aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you look at like who, who else you got? Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. Male athletic peak who doesn't else? look like it. Who, who else was the guy? John Daly. You ever see John Daly, the golfer? Yeah. Peak athletic male performance. Man. Yeah. Clink. You've got loads of them. Yeah. And then you have Joey Aesthetic. So what do you think? What like random young dude dies of a brain aneurysm? Sad. Sad, like considering your whole life's about health and fitness. Mm. But 
the dude did have a lot of blood work done. And he did then say that, like, his bloods had gotten changed differently over the last couple of years because of, like, medications he's been taking and stuff. Yeah. So you've got, like, that end of it. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I seen in a podcast, one of the last podcasts that he was part of that, you know, doing all of the, um, how do I say it? Doing all of the, the supplements that he would have been taking to look the way he did he would constantly go and get his blood work done, like once every three months, four months, whatever. And so the last one of the last times he got his blood work done, they checked all of his stuff, and they're like, there's toxic metals in your blood. Yeah. There's like something very strange has come up. So they had to put him through a specific uh, treatment, I suppose, where they essentially gave him an oil change. They took out all of his blood, yeah, put it into some machine, filtered it, and then put it back in, but I guess it didn't work. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that you can do that? Do you take all your blood and put it through a filter? I mean, they say like that we, we ingest almost like a credit card worth of plastic a week. Weekly. From just like the random like junk food. Yeah, so oh, I, I would think like all the metals that he was getting was probably, you know, some protein shakes actually hold like metal Man. residue in it. So we should get rid of credit cards. Just the chip in the hand. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the plastic around the credit card, right? You just need that chip. The future is here. It's going to put on your wrist. It's going to... We, but wouldn't that mm. save everybody with the plastic? No, it's the plastic that we're drinking and eating. Ah. Uh, plastic water bottles. Yeah, okay. So where does it come from? It's plastic. Yeah? yeah. Just like like all types? Everything. Like it's everything funny, right? Plastic, like you bend it, think mm. about it. Whoever owns a plastic. It's like human beings. If you scratch homes. me right now, there's skin. Mm. skin. <laughs> funeral <laughs> homes and plastic. Oh, Lord. The two, the two business ventures to get into. That's it. I like it. That's it. It's like, you know how they say, um, um, like a lot of like the, the stock market, they're paying attention to like what's going to happen in the future. So they're like, they know that, you know, like they said, like statistically 40% of women are going to be single. So they're already investing a lot of money into like cat food and like pet stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like that. It's just like that. That is absolute genius. That's it. Yeah. I I absolutely 100% believe that's the case. They do they do fully believe that's going to be so the thing. So 40% of the women are going to be single. Then what happens? Does the men how many, what percentage of men does that leave single? Well, Probably 40% of, it's 40% well, of no. women over 40 there's, are going to be single. There's more there's more women no, than men. There's no? a little bit more well uh, from what I understand there's more women than men. What was the statistic here of? I think they say like 40 to 45% of women in the next five to ten years, are going to be single and childless. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard the same. I mean, but you talk, you hear it now. Like you that's, talk to a lot mm-hmm. of them. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want kids. I don't, or like, uh, that's too much work to do over a relationship or what yada yada yada. Or I'm just going to get a, a kid, a pet, or a dog, or a cat, or some shit. You know. Mm. I have two ideas, both one good and one very bad. Right. So, good idea, or good good thought. Is it better to have single women without children or single women with children? Because, like, the 20 years before these 20, there was a lot of single women with children, right? And now you're saying there's going to be a lot of single women without children. Mm. So that's like, we've done the first part, now we're going to do the second part. The only problem is the second, the second having, being a single person with no children leaves the future bleak. But... Mm. It also leaves it open for somebody now to mass murder lots of pets that people would perceive as their children. That's not what I thought was going. Right? No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm just saying is like, will there arise 
a serial origami, killer. The origami was, killer for the pets. Exactly, uh, right? Like serial killers I now won't go after it. kids. They'll go after pets knowing that everybody, yeah, I think their pets are their kids. I think in California there's been an increase on like... Um, murdering be, pets? Not, not murdering, but I think kidnapping. This is exactly yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, right, let's say... With pet kidnapping? Or yeah, yeah. Like pet, pet kidnapping. kidnapping. And then they're just like right. well, it's charging like, a lot of money for it. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's like, right, 50 what? years ago, I've got your daughter. I want a million dollars. Okay, that's what's up. 50 years later, I've got twinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and I want a million dollars. Let me hear him. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's it. That's, that's yeah. really <laughs> And then you have some dude just like in a, in a, in a house full of... Pets that aren't his. Having a wonderful time. If, they, if you don't yeah. pay, what do you think he's going to do? They actually did a study at 97% of people consider their pets family. This is a what I'm saying, family. though. You have to look at them like that, though, I think. I think I think you have to look at them like that. Like, I if you have a dog you that you've had in your, fa- in your family for, like, three years, and he's, like, he has a different relationship with every single person, like, come on. You know, no, and I have that relationship with my dog, but you don't have to because if the dog is a working animal, now it's essentially a tool. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't have rights, but I don't think that like if you have a a protection dog, that to have that dog necessarily as a pet is beneficial because protection dogs are not built to be pets. Yeah. You may get a, a child attacked yeah, by yeah. just letting a is random protection it, dog run around your house. I suppose it's kind of the way that you look at them because, yeah, you're right. It is a tool. If you're blind and you have a, a what's this? What's the proper terminology? See an eye dog. Yeah, if you have a, a dog that assists you throughout these things, yeah, technically it's a tool. But at the same time, what else are you gonna call? Well, it? there's like, a reason why call people, you're not meant to pet them dogs and stuff, right? Yeah, and but it's, it's, the it's same just when they're working. Probably, I don't. I've never had a CNI dog when it wasn't working, right? I've never been in, that. never been in, uh, you know, control of a CNI dog when it wasn't being someone's eyes. So I don't know, but I do know that. It, Petting them and stuff will definitely probably affect their behavior, mm. right? And I do know that if you have a protection dog and the dog is solely for protection, and next thing you know, you have like my kids running around your house with your kids, and one of the dog, one of them kicks the dog or you know pinches the dog or something, like you might have a problem on your hands because mm. this dog is not. Br- Maybe it's not, not raised. It's yeah. not raised for to be putting up with that stuff. You know, it's like a, a police dog is not raised to be poked at by kids. Mm. You know, and then it's like, all right, if a police dog bites a kid because it's left in the house with twenty kids, like my dog can be left in the house with twenty kids, it's not going to bite anybody. He's a family friend. He's a pet, like you said. He's he's like our friend. This is Gurum. He's a friend. But if you get a dog that's a working dog, he's not. He may be friendly. And he may be friends with the people who he works with. And he might, you know, be a lovely dog. But I don't think he might have the same just uh, characteristics as a dog that hasn't been bred for working and that is a family friend. And I do think that, like, there's a chance that, you know, you can, children can get hurt by... I looked into, like, the attack dogs before and actually breeding them and doing it and stuff and having, like, protection dogs. And one thing that I see in there is, like, a lot of the people who have these dogs don't treat it like a family dog. They keep it like locked up in kennels. Mm. The dog's allowed out, but he's not like allowed out and played with by random people or friends. It's like usually the service dog is for a certain, like if you go to like Hillary Clinton's house and they have protection dogs, most likely them dogs aren't also sitting on her lap and hanging out with her. 
Mm. You know, they're usually like let out at a certain time to guard the grounds. If anyone comes on, get a patrol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to fuck with any of them anyway, I'll tell you that. Uh, no. Yeah, no way. What would the name be for the pet snatcher? Maybe his name is the Glizzy Gladiator because oh he gets all the dogs. Glizzy Gladiator Bandit. <laughs> um, so this has been a huge increase in California. Yeah. Like I got, I've been hearing about it for like a while now, since last year. Yeah. I mean, I think I just like crime overall, but like people just getting like their watches and things stolen in mid daylight. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. I've heard that like in California, they kind of, the police have stopped looking for people. Like if, if, if something missing. gets stolen on you, the police are just like, yeah, it got stolen on you. You know, it's funny. We had a girl over here last week from California. So it was, talking to her for a little bit and she says yeah I'm from San Francisco I'm like really it must be crazy over there she goes no I was like it's not really bad with homeless something she goes no maybe in LA but like San, San Francisco no yeah it's funny how it goes like that right yeah I mean but, but I think that's that's always going to be wherever you're from it's always going to be like that like because you're in that environment you grew up in that environment so you like you know the bad and you know the good and so it's not like somebody looking at it from the outsource perspective. It's like certain, certain stuff you're going to get accustomed to. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're going to be numb to the, yeah. yeah. I agree to that too. Because it's, it's like this street that we're on, Martina of White Plains. If you are from White Plains, you might say, oh, when you want to Martina, like, oh, that's a bad street. Right? But yeah. if you're not from... If you're like us, we're on white Martin every day. We don't we we don't see it like you said, like a random crackhead here and there. Yeah. Kind of you don't bite your eyes at it. But if you were somebody who just you know took a stroll down here from Greenwich, you went down Martin Ave and you've Shh. seen like four different crazy homeless people, you might be like, oh, this is a bad street. You're yeah. gonna recognize yeah. a pattern. Yeah, pattern recognizing. I get scared of nice houses when I'm in a nice neighborhood. I get scared. I'm like, you get scared of nice houses? Yeah. No. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I'm like, this, this, like, normally, like, I only see stuff like this in movies and, like, oh, you know, nighttime, big houses, neighborhood, only black person around. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's only, it's only goes either I'm going to die or I'm going to get uh, accused or something. Oh, it's only going to go no. either one or two ways. So, all right, let me get out of here. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, but you, that's something Kenny has that's, to live that's with. That's my reality. Yeah. yeah, he's had to live with that. Wow. Like, all right, so here we have Kenny, right? Do you, and this might be just like way off, but do you feel the same way in a store? Yeah. Yeah, it's happened to me before. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, like, I, one time I went to the store and I was just walking with my friends and then somebody passed one something to look at and we put it back and we kept on walking. And, um... They don't. One of the employees came up to me. It's like, oh, like I see you trying to put that in your bag. I'm like, I didn't even have a bag. First of all, it was like a scarf. And <laughs> how am I gonna How am I gonna hide it? And I'm like, all right. But like, no, stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah, it's just sure. like even since I was even a kid, I like people like you get an elevator with them. They get uncomfortable. They they hold their thing. Or like if you're walking behind them, it's like it's like the one meme where it's um like the the, the black dude is like, oh, this is a nice lady walking front in front of me, and she keeps looking back. I hope you're okay. And then it it keeps progressing. It's like oh, now she's starting to running, and they're like oh, I don't know what's happening, but I'm starting to running too. And it's like, oh, now I hear the police, and it's like oh oh, thank God the police is finally here. We're gonna be safe. Yeah. But it's just like it's she's that running away him. from him. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> just like. That's terrible. Yeah. But I feel That's like terrible. you have a certain demeanor about you yeah. that 
if you actually picked up a conversation with most people, they, they would, would realize yeah. that, oh, that's, this guy is not a thing. bad guy. That's like, um, even when, like, the whole thing about me and me not being, like, in, uh, social, it's just, like, the percep- perception is so important because it's, like, they you'll get judged on a, oh, uh, like, this is perfect. Like, because, uh, like I said, like, I have difficulty talking to people at first. So, I, initially, a lot of people didn't think that I liked them because, like, I wouldn't you know, mm. be as outgoing and saying hello to it like that. Yeah, instead of nerves, it comes off as standoffish or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and so, and so after having conversations with people, they'll be like, oh, you know, like, I didn't think you liked me at first. And it's just like, oh, it's just like, that's not, that's not, you know, like, that's not me. I'm, I'm probably more scared of you than you are of me. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You should, next time someone says that, you should be like, I was just working out a way to rob you. <laughs> right? You should be like, I'm just trying to figure, trying to figure out, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure that's out how to get it. one up on you. That's mm. it. Right? That's so, terrible. So, yeah. so we were in a place last week, all right. And uh, Caleb, now that we're now that we have you here, I think you'll appreciate this. And if you ever get the chance, you should go down and check it out. But uh, it was brought to us by Dan O'Cat over here. It was Outer Heaven? Mm. Do you want to talk to us? Do you want to talk to us a little bit about Outer Heaven? Yeah, Outer Heaven. Um, so it's like uh, it's definitely a new concept. It's not something I've seen. In New York, anyway, maybe there's a few out there in America, around the world, but it's like, it's a micro club, but on a much higher end scale. I feel mm-hmm. like the, the keeping it small has allowed them to, uh, it's probably like 1,600 square feet kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a really cool thing, and if anybody wants to go to like a club club, that's a good place to go check out. Like, it is, like you said, it is small, it's a micro club, um, 1,600 square feet for anybody that can't picture it is probably the size of four of your bedrooms yeah yeah four of your bedrooms if you're yeah. more familiar with the blind pig it's probably about the size of the blind pig in a different shape mm. yeah. yeah but it is super cool the, so the front area is designed like a bar like it looks properly like a bar and then the back area is literally like a nightclub it's got a whole big DJ booth and everything and then they have proper like events there and all right yeah they do they're like they've definitely done it to a like it's definitely not your average like you know 20 to 22 year old kind of party mm. you know brooklyn um so not like, pianos no not pianos like not the pianos. opposite of pianos okay. like if pianos was done really well and had a high-end cocktail program and they were more upscale pianos is like a good um that's a good like rendition of a place that would i'd say have came from the same category as this but They've definitely modernized it. They've definitely given it like a cocktail esque, <clears throat> um, like vibe, and then they've managed to sneak in this really nice, just the right sized dance floor that is overlooked by a DJ booth. That's definitely a professional style DJ booth, mm. and they've got like uh, named lineup DJs, pretty much like Monday to Sunday. Um, that kicks off at 10 p.m. every night. Cocktails are you anywhere between like 19 and 24 dollars. It's definitely on the higher end for the cocktail program, and for a place that has music, it's probably doing like some of the best cocktails around the city. Um, nothing like out of this world, but they have a strong cocktail program. And mm. anybody who likes drinks, you know, 
you're definitely gonna have a good time but if you like to dance or if you want to go out with a group of people where you want to really like kind of let loose it's definitely a solid place to do something mm. like that because it's nice it's small you can still let loose on the dance floor it's got nice drinks yeah it's quaint new people it's yeah good. it's quaint it's just, you, you really hit the nail on the head there i feel like what you're gonna see in there is like professional business people and models yeah yeah, that's the kind of thing that you're going to get. One of the coolest things about it, I think we might have spoken about this before, but one of the coolest things about it is it has it has three concepts. So you pull open the menu, and at the back of the menu, it gives a description on what this place is, how it came about, who's involved, where the inspiration came from. And they, they took three points of inspiration. They took uh, anime, video games, and then Japanese house music, essentially. And they really leaned into those three things. So it's a nightclub, but when you're walking around, there's like an element of anime over here, an element of video games over here, an element of manga or whatever. And one of the coolest things, I don't know if you guys, I know you're not into anime, I don't know if you, you understand a little bit about anime. When you're at the bar, there's a panoramic picture that goes the whole length of the bar, like maybe a good 15 feet of Akira. You know Akira? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like 15 feet of this thing that runs the whole way along. And for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, you ever see... I told you this before, but you ever see like in a cartoon or a video game or a movie where someone's on a bike and they pull like a handbrake on the bike and the bike skids sideways? Slide mm-hmm. You ever see that shot? That's called the Akira slide. That's from that anime. It's like a very iconic shot in these movies and everything. And when I walked in and seen that, I'm like, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. Like they, they actually like, because it's, it's not like they're just referencing something just to um, be... Um, I guess be trendy, like mm. but they actually like they they know what they're talking about. So that's that's pretty cool that they're you know they're yeah. going in depth like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was pretty cool, you know, because it's very unusual. You don't really see a place that does that. It's hard enough to get into though. Like right? you definitely want to make a reservation. Yeah, <coughs> I think so. Like mm. I showed up there three times and didn't get in. Does that make you want to go back more? It made me want to make a reservation. Mm. So yeah, I suppose. yeah, right. yeah. Exclusivity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People always talk about the exclusivity part of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I suppose, kind of. But I don't know. Would I be the kind of dude that if I showed up somewhere and didn't get in and then I showed up again and didn't get in and showed up again and didn't get in, would I accept defeat and be like, I'm not going here? Or would I be like, well, I no, like also, I've I'll, got to come in. I'll, I'll, tell you, show up the army. I'll tell you a story about exclusivity, right? When I was working back in Ireland, um, every weekend, me and my friends, we'd go out. <clears throat> I started working young. I was like 16. <clears throat> Maybe before this, but I wasn't going out before this. Started working in hairdressers around 14, but around 16, after I've been working for two years and being like now more in touch with adults, I would always go out after work on a Saturday night because working in the hair salon, that's what all the hairdressers do after working on a Saturday night. So you got into the routine of going out and we would always go to a place called The Blacker. It was uh, The Black Sheep, in the middle of like Northside shopping center, <clears throat> right between like, it's like a nightclub that people from Finglas, Ballymon, Kulak, and like the neighboring areas would go to. So it's like, it's like going to a nightclub in the middle of the Bronx, right? So you're just gonna get people from everywhere in the Bronx and there's, it's gonna be rowdy. Mm. But um, sounds like a shit show. If you think it's bad in the middle of the Bronx, you should see it in the middle of, like, North County, Dublin. It's it's like, you'll come outside this bar and there'll be, like, a dude on top of a horse in his boxes. <laughs> like, you're, you're talking about, like, the maddest stuff it, you can imagine. Like, just nuts, yeah. random yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. But, um, 
there was a place called Tamangos, right? And it's in a, it's in, Tamangos is in, I want to say it's in Port Marnock. And it's a real posh nightclub. And when, me and one of my friends, we would go to this nightclub. I think we went for like a solid six to eight months every single Friday. Never to be let in because of the address on our ideas. Right? So no way, really? The, the bouncer knew exactly who we were. Yeah. Like every, the same two guys every week yeah. for months. They must have had a horrible job. It, it started to get funny for both of us. Yeah. Like we'd walk up and be like, all right, lads. And they'd be like, not tonight. And they'd be like, not tonight. And be like, all right, see you next week. And we'd yeah. leave. We're <laughs> <laughs> coming back next week. Yeah, and we'd come back every week. So it got to the point where the bouncers knew us. So they were kind of laughing about it. And we would always show up dressed well. And like me and my friend, out of all of our friends, we kind of had an idea. We were like, we'll only get in here if it's me and you. Like as soon as we start bringing the other lads, we're not getting in. Right? And me and him would like dress well and we could speak well. And we definitely weren't like the biggest troublemakers out of the whole group. So we are like, right, if we can get in here with just the two of us, we'll do well. Bring the rest of the, the, rest of the lads will be going to the blacker. Right? So every week, all the lads would be at the blacker. Sometimes it'd even be someone's birthday. And we were like, even if we get in here now, we still have to go to the blacker because it's James's birthday and everyone's there for James's birthday. But we wouldn't miss the opportunity to get refused. We would. We were just seeing how long it would take before we even got in. And at one point, when we did get in... Well, you guys made it in. We, we got in one time, and it was so dead that we were like, oh, they just let us in because there's no one in here, and we just left right away. Ah, uh, that sucks. We didn't get in for ages. <laughs> and it was funny because yeah. like, we'd pull up with plans to go with our places, and this would be like, right, we have 15 minutes to get in here, get refused, get back in the car, and go to where we're going. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd do it every day. So and serious. it was like funny because like, it Six never deterred months? us not getting in. We still always wanted to go in and see. We always were like, oh, I'm telling you, when we get in there, it's going to be great. I guess the exclusivity does work. It does work. Yeah, for some people. Extent. Especially when it's like based on you're not getting in where you're from. Mm. Right? When we were like, when we knew that we were only not, because we were sober showing up. We were driving up. And this this might be obvious, but why did he not let you in because of your address and your ID? Mostly because they probably thought we were going to start some troubles with the people from the nicer neighborhoods. They probably thought we were going to bully some of the kids from the nicer neighborhoods mm. being from like a shittier place. And they're probably wrong, but at the same time... <laughs> he were probably. Yeah. Oh, you let gosh. in some, like, you know, 18-year-old, and next thing you know, a bunch of 18-year-olds who are, like, all from this real nice neighborhood, you know, they push out away or they do something rude, and next thing you know, it's like you're probably going to press on them a little bit and make them feel intimidated. I remember one time... I was in a, a nightclub because I, I was in on both sides of the city. I went to a really, really nice night. It was like a pre-18-year-old nightclub. So you had to be under 18 to go to this one. It was called the Wesley. A teenage disco. It was called the Wes, yeah. Do you have teenage disco over here? Sorry, I didn't um, Coliseum did that, like when I was in high school. Yeah, uh, they used to do that. Okay. Yeah. So, we, like, we did, like, but it was always people getting stabbed. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would be all the normal ones. And then you had the one called the Wes. And the Wesley was a rugby club. And uh, in Ireland, if you play rugby, you come from a really nice neighborhood. Yeah. And this was known as, imagine like if there was an underage disco and it was in Greenwich. Right. And everybody from outside Greenwich wanted to go, but also your ID says where you're from. So they're probably not going to let you in. And imagine it was in a lacrosse club. 
Yeah, and everybody has yachts. Right. So that's I went to this. I love yachts. Right. So I went to this underage nightclub, and I got in because um, why did I get in? I got in because one of my friends, um, from Ratmines Flats, his name was Glenn Holmes. He got kicked out of school that we were in, and his dad paid like a crazy intuition to get him into like a really nice private school, which he like was in for one year and left. Like, he definitely shouldn't have went to this school because he just caused so much problems and he's a little shit. I love him, but he's a little shit. But, um, so he would invite me to this rugby club and one time, like, I'm walking through a line of people and, like, everyone's pushing, pushing, and I'm just part of one of the people walking through the line in the disco and these two dudes, like, turn around, they're like, oh, you're pushing me for And I'm like, I'm not fucking pushing you, like, fuck off. And then I'm, they're like, where are you from? And I'm like... Tell them where I'm from, the north side of Dublin, and they literally like were like, "Oh, I'm sorry." No. I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, I was like, this is great." I'm like, yeah. "These guys are sorry for bumping into me just because where I'm from." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "But I was at no girls would talk to me in this disco because of where I was and where I was from and where I went to school. They wanted to talk to the guys who were playing rugby and stuff." It's funny. Them. It's like you got that in every no country. Offense. Yeah. And no offense. No. You know. Bankers. Well, you, yeah. You get that in every, I feel like you get that. That's something that you actually come across in all walks of life in every country, even countries that don't have the racial divide that maybe America has. Mm. And I think a lot of the time it comes just into like being from a neighborhood that's associated with poverty and or crime. And then that will bring it back to being like you being associated with poverty or crime. And now it's like you're being associated with crime because where you're from and now you're getting a very similar thing to what would happen to you if you were being perceived as someone who may commit crime based on your appearance, right? Now, obviously, it's definitely more noticeable for someone based on their appearance because you can be in an elevator with somebody and they don't know where you're from and they're going to assume something silly about you and it's showing their own insecurities. But I feel like around the world, you definitely, like, there's no, you're definitely getting that in all different forms yeah, around yeah. the world it's like human nature almost mm-hmm. and it's kind of sad because you know people are generally trying to look out for themselves and they are generally fearful right it's more like i'm not going to be afraid of you or anyone else right so it's like the odds that you're ever gonna or i'm ever gonna bump into someone and like because i don't fear them i might be very aware of like having to look after my safety but i'm not going to be afraid of someone Maybe if they have a weapon, but, you know, just on the whole. Yeah. And I feel like if I was someone who was more easily uh, intimidated or someone who maybe had a bad experience that, you know, just didn't sit with them well, that they didn't get over, I might now do exactly what you're saying and start painting people with the same brush based on my past experiences. And then, you know, maybe someone wrongfully gets painted with the same brush and I end up, like miscalculating a situation or perceiving a yeah. situation wrongfully and hurting someone's feelings by how I perceive the situation. At the same time, most likely, most people are drawn this fear for their safety from a past experience also. So we do kind of have the real world of what's happening and what's going on. And the like. young people commit crimes, yeah. period. Like, you know, if you mm. get like a kid between, you know, 17 and 30 is probably where most of the crimes are going to be committed, right? Like, mostly a male, mostly young. Um, and, and so, like, if you're being followed by a young man, 
the odds of you being more fearful than if you're being followed by just a young woman, right? In a man's position, anyway. I can't speak for an elderly lady, but in a man's position, it's going to definitely change your view and your perception of the scenario that you're in. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's global, it's worldwide, but it's a people I, but thing. But I think it's a, it's a thing that's always <coughs> been like that. It's like, a, it's, like just, it's out of need to survival. Like, we're always going to classify things just like, oh, you know, like, that looks dangerous. Let me not do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's it's, it's a normal reaction. Snakes. Yeah, yeah it's just like. Snakes. Oh, I'm afraid of all snakes. And most of them aren't dangerous. Right? Like, most snakes I can kill. I would say if we got, like, all the snakes in the world, right, all the different categories of snakes in the world, there's probably a handful that are really dangerous, right? Venomous. But then there's probably a large percentage of them that aren't, mm. right? That, like, a fully grown I, I, human would have no problem, bar the fear. Like, I, I've, I've seen a, a grass snake down on the, where I hike my dog, mm. and I'm like, a oh, snake! Mm. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like... I, the snake's definitely terrified of me, and if I wanted to kill this snake, like if it was my life versus that snake's life, I could just pull it in half, right? So, but yeah, I'm scared of the snake. And was it even a slightly dangerous snake that was not venomous still, but could bite me and constrict me? Or probably too small to constrict me, but it would try. I'd probably be even more afraid of it. But the, the reality is, is, like, we can kill almost all of the snakes. Mm-hmm. And we've you know, risen above that, uh, you know, section of, um, you know, animals. Like, we're not afraid of snakes. Uh, on the whole, as a human beings versus animals, like, we, if we wanted to wipe out all the snakes in the world, we could wipe them out, no problem. Mm. Right? But we got to send you to Florida. Yeah, yeah, right? You know, they have a, they have a snake problem. Like, yeah. there's, so, there's so many oh, yeah. snakes. Like, they're, they're killing, like, the entire ecosystem down there. Yeah, right. it's now, an invasive species way, right? or something like that. If so, we decided yeah. to send all the money that we were sending from Ukraine to Florida, <laughs> there'd be no snakes. Right? But that won't work for Putin. Right? We're not going to just be, like, get rid of Putin with this money. But we could solve the snake problem in yeah. Florida. I do believe, like, if we sent $6 billion to Florida and landmines and whatever type of weaponry that we sent. Cluster bombs. Cluster mm. bombs. We could definitely solve the snake problem or the homeless problem. We, we could not get one of these problems if we wanted. It's How is just that beneficial for America, though? No to have no homeless people? To have no snakes. How is it beneficial for America? <laughs> no snakes. Beneficial for America. Hmm. I believe America only helps places that they can conquer. Mm. You could conquer snakes. Yeah, and we already Florida. have Florida. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. Well, the snakes Now, if we it. didn't have Florida and there was a snake problem, we'd be Listen, like, yo, there's a snake problem. We got to get America into I believe Florida that and help them with the snake problem. California and snakes own Florida. I don't believe that we own both of them places. Right? No chance. We, we, we barely own New York. Right? The smoke owns New York. The smoke. smoke. I'm telling you, like, the smoke <laughs> tells us all to go I thought heads. you were going to say the rats. <laughs> no, the rats, between the rats and the smoke. <laughs> That's uh, it. Then the homeless. In New York, you've got the rats, smoke. Are top of the pecking order. Then you've got the smoke, clears out everything but the rats. And then you've got the homeless, oh God. which will survive. That's what's left in, like, mm. New, New York is definitely a great place. I love it. But it's definitely, that's the hierarchy. The government doesn't top the hierarchy on the top three in New York, for sure. Because the homeless people, nor the rats, nor the smoke care about the government. Mm. Right? <laughs> They can't do nothing about it. No, the rats, no, no smoke. So. Yeah, no, no, no. Amateur hours. I love New York, man. New York's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's definitely great. Yeah. And it, New York is so underappreciated by people that live here. It's ridiculous. 
Like, I was just telling the story to you guys. I think I might have been telling this. The last subway podcast. system's a terrible idea. Well, it sounded good at the start. It just needs to be updated. It just needs to be above ground. It have like, I, I, I was watching a video recently, or I think it was a movie, where the subway system was featured. But it was this was an old movie. It might have been like the fifties or something. Yeah. So you're going back seventy years, right? right. The subway trains are still the same. Subway stations still the same. Which, was there loads of homeless people walking around naked in the subway no, stations? No, no, no. Nobody okay. was smoking cracker. Nobody was like going around with their naked babies. <laughs> or and the A train. Sorry, hands up. <laughs> this the four train. This is the D train. <laughs> Rob, you probably got more expertise. Which which is the, the trains you're not supposed to take? Listen, I, I got a lot of backfire off of a post that I posted on my input on the homeless situation on trains. And I said something I probably shouldn't have said. Uh, I How do you say that. something you shouldn't have said? Well, because I was speaking out of anger. So, okay, I, I am from the South Bronx, okay? I take the train. I take the train one stop down to Harlem. And then I take the Metro North uptown to, to White Plains. Within that time frame, I can see, you've seen me come in one time. I was like, I just watched this guy just get kicked straight in the face. Yeah. Somebody just came, like dude was sitting down. Somebody else came, just kicked him straight in the face. Another time, a, a woman that could be my grandmother, somebody's asking her for money and she doesn't want to give her the money and like she goes to hit her in the face. Like this is an old lady and this is a younger like crackhead. So mm. all trains right now in New York City are horrible. Every subway station, everywhere that you go, I wouldn't go to Harlem. I wouldn't take the six train there, but it's it's very much a big problem. Where, as you know, we've just had two people murder or publicly defend citizens on the subway, and it was a big dilemma over that and what's mm-hmm. happening. But as a subway daily commuter, there's a problem. It should be fixed. We have a bunch of uh, police force down there that aren't actually patrolling. They're just being there. They're just standing in a group. Like, let's say there's six yeah. officers and they're supposed to be in that station. They're not patrolling. They're just in a circle on their cell phone, standing there while somebody is literally lighting up a crack pipe at the end of the platform. Mm. You know, so like, there's a big problem. It's a little frustrating. You can, Am I mad that these guys killed these two people? No. And that's why I got a lot of backfire on that. Yeah. And, but, and it's a hard one to be in for anybody, right? Because as a citizen, you want the cops to do something, right? You're like, you guys should definitely be doing your job right now. If I was to write on paper, what's your job? That would definitely be in the paper that I'm writing on. That would be your job. You should go deal with that. At the same time, there's also a lot of people in the public who don't want them to do that, right? And so now you're kind of stuck in that. It's, it's, it is the police, but also... We're the wife who can't make up our mind and the police are the husband, right? Because we are of two different opinions, right? There's like a lot of the population who think like we need a big sweep on crime and we need a hard crackdown on street crime and the homeless problem's a problem. And then there's another large portion of the public who believe we need lesser... um, lesser I don't want to say definitely less lesser punishments and more rehabilitative mm. you know um scenario for the people who are committing the street crimes the people who are homeless the people who are breaking these laws and then like as you see like in California they've kind of like given it 
and some other places where they're like, they're, I don't want to say giving up, but they're like reframing from arresting and incarcerating people for certain crimes, right? So you have like, it's hard to be in the police's situation when you're, as I was saying, it's like you're the husband whose wife doesn't know what she wants, right? Because mm-hmm. you have half the people who are going to be really mad at you if you do this. And the other half, like Rob, who are really frustrated when you don't do this. And both groups of people are correct, right? Because incarcerating people is not helping anybody, right? Like locking people up, it's not, I'm not saying that you don't deserve it. I'm not saying if you kill someone, you shouldn't go to jail. But what I'm saying is like, even if you do something and you do go to jail for a minute, it's not helping. It's not a beneficial situation for you and you are going to be re-released back into the population. And you're still a problem because you haven't been rehabilitated. Yet that doesn't mean you should get away with doing the things you're doing and that the likes of Rob or me or your mother or Kenny should have to be faced with you doing this and getting away with it in public and us feeling uncomfortable about it or you, as James says a lot, your rights trumping my rights. So the police are stuck in like maybe there's some people not maybe there's definitely some people like Rob riding the train who are like I wish the police would do something and if the police did something they might quietly celebrate and then there's another group of people who if the police do something are going to loudly object Mm. so you're kind of stuck in that point where it's it's a difficult one and honestly I've been saying this for a while now and I think it's not helpful and I'm still going to say it I think that we're past the point of helping this situation I think this is a situation, it's like when you're playing chess, you've, you've already ran into the problem. You've made the mistake two, two phases ago, right? Two turns ago, your mistake was made. There's no going back on the mistake that we've made. Mm. There's a lot of people who are growing up in bad situations with less time with parents that's needed and maybe the parents aren't teaching them the right thing and then they grow up into adults and you can't just get rid of them. Like we can't just pretend they don't exist, but they are existing and as they exist, it is a problem for the rest of us. But, and we weren't in charge. Like, we grew up, right? Like, we're, like we're all 30. No one here is, like, in their 40s. No one's even mid-30s yet. We all grew up at the same rate and age as these, a lot of these homeless people are close to our age now. Mm. I was in no position to help this guy when he was seven and being screwed over, right? Because I was probably seven and being screwed over as well, right? Now I have to live with this person who's the, he is the the outcome of what happens when we let this behavior go on for long enough or when we don't interject in certain parts of society, mainly ones that have like high crime rate and, you know, high uh, poverty and problems like that where you have like children outside of marriage, there's less parents, the parents are probably good, but they're working a lot to pay for rent or to pay for school or blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, the kid, gets unruly or the parent has a drug problem whatever the case is like you're going to end up in this scenario and it's like how many homeless people do you reckon are like doesn't matter if we're close many homeless people do you reckon there are in new york in new york yeah just random like evenly guess probably like hundred thousand five hundred thousand maybe right right so you say i was going to say, say in the tens of thousands tens of so thousands. I, I i really have no right idea. so let's for the sake of it kenny said a hundred First off, so let's say a hundred thousand. Let's say there are hundred. I don't know how many there are either. But let's say there's hundred thousand in New York, right? That's a hundred thousand people who are most of them past the point of 
rehabilitated, right? And that's a sad thing to say. No, I'm not no, saying to give up on them and get rid of them. You're definitely but right. some of them you know when you walk by them Possibly on the street. no return. No return. Mm. And a lot of them probably didn't want or mean to be that. And it's not, uh, they're not doing it out of spite. Like they're not, they're not being this person to like make our lives harder. A lot of these people don't even have the mental capacity to really understand what's happening in their life at the moment and that there isn't a way back for them. We can't employ them. It's very hard to involve them in the, you know, in the culture that we are living in right now. And, you know, Maybe with a Neuralink or something, there's going to be a way to help them. But right now, I don't see anything that's like available that helps people who are that far gone. And most people don't want to help them because they're still causing a problem. So now we're at a point where it's like, but we still have to live with these people. And they still are here. And it's still an unfortunate, sad scenario for any country, right? For just have members of the country who are like that. So if we have like 100,000 people like that in New York, um, like, what? Something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Yo, I was watching that the entire time. I'm like, yo, <laughs> you could have no gave us a heads up. Yeah, <laughs> something was getting punched. I thought something was about to land on my head. We're gonna have to grab that after. Yeah. Should we grab that now? We should because we should have to yeah. edit that out. And yeah. Continue. We're looking at it from a here and now problem, but not everything can be, and most things can't be, right? It's like this, right? Whatever you think about. COVID and the vaccines, we won't know for 15 years. Mm. In 15 years, we might get a better, you'll be like, okay, this happened or it didn't happen, right? Right now, it's very hard to say. Um, but with the homeless thing, it's like these people are alive this amount of years. How many of these people do you reckon have been living with like unconsolable problems like over 10 years? Like most of these people probably had like bad childhoods. Yeah. And probably had like... Very yeah. little schooling. Even if they went to school, probably it wasn't really. You can go to school and never go to school. Yeah, very little. Like we all know too. people who went to school and never actually got educated. School. school just puts them in another room. Like, exactly. Go sit down there by yourself. That's it. Yeah, it so it's like if you if you're contacting the parents of this child and you're not and you when you're the teacher and as you contact the parents you're like ah this parent doesn't help the situation at all. Actually, this parent's probably the problem, right? What are you going to do with that kid? You're going to keep sending notes home. You're going to keep calling home. You probably get abuse off this, like, parent. Like, most likely, you're not at school reaching these children. And the best thing you're going to do is have the child taken from the parent, which is one of the worst things that can happen to a kid. It could be great for some kids who have terrible parents and, and just drug give, problems. Give but still, it's not. That's not good. Like, no kid wants to be even taken away from their family. Right? So, it's like... <laughs> The scenario is like, a, it's a problem that's, it's like James said, like it's multi-generational. It happened a long time ago. It's been happening for a long time, but it's been getting worse. And we're now just sitting and living with the problem. And it, we're pissed off with it because we have to live with it. But at the same time, we should also look at it as a learning curve where it's like, okay, how did we get here? I'm sure there's been homeless people forever, but it seems to be way worse now. It's a drug problem now. Yeah, it seems to be way worse now. And how do we stop this from happening again in another 60 years, right? How do we, and, and I spoke to James Prevented about this before. It's like, yeah, it's like a lot of this stuff I see, you know, could be, you could enrich a child's life by giving it supportive, um, 
out. I want to call them outpatients, not the right word, but almost like giving a child structure by having the available adults, recreational facilities, um, resources, infrastructure, sports, all of these things in underprivileged communities. Can they, if I myself was to open a martial arts school in a really bad neighborhood and I was to constantly look out for these young guys who I could spot because I grew up in a bad neighborhood. I grew up in like, I grew up in, in a family that has like different siblings for different people. I grew up in a family where there's a single parent family all the time on both sides of it. Like I could definitely see problematic kids. I could definitely, but most of these problematic kids, if you actually gave them an outlet, they'd probably be some of the most successful kids. Yes. Right, and that's where we're we're probably losing a lot of society. To, you know, it's like I think Michael Jordan had Michael Jordan been taken away from the family environment he was in and put in a terrible family environment, one surrounded by crime and you know violence, could he have become one of the most notorious uh, crime lords or just criminals that there was at that time? Yeah, he probably would have died real early, probably would have committed a load of crazy crimes, probably would have used his ability in a different way and achieved a different thing, you know? And I see, I just see the homeless problem as like basically the end result of that. Like you're getting to the point where it's like, because we've got it in Ireland. It's not like it's an mm-hmm. American thing. We have a bad homeless problem in Ireland right it's now everywhere. too. It's happening generationally and it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just can't fit into society's boundaries that we have right now because society's, it's very like civil. Right? I believe what we lack is community. Yeah, I believe 100%. Especially in New York, like there's not much community based like, like I think we said this before, like you live with your neighbors, you don't even know your neighbors' names. And you mm-hmm. live next to these people for like three years, you have a three-year lease and you, you never introduce yourself, you never get to know these people. And I, like, yes, you there's a high percentage of a chance that you can become a product of your environment, right? And most of these homeless people, they do come from bad neighborhoods, they do come from a society that's not well brought up, like, it, it's working against them. Few homeless people in Greenwich, right? Exactly. None. Never walk down Greenwich Avenue and see like a bunch of like homeless kids who grew up in Greenwich. No. It's like, oh, there's Teddy. He used to be like the high school football star mm. and now he's sitting on the street here. That doesn't happen you very often. You don't see that. No. Kenny, what do you think? You you grew up in the PJs, no? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Sort yeah. Of. Not, really. Not really. Where you grew up? Uh, like my childhood? No, well, when in America. You grew uh, up in the DR? Yeah, I grew up in the DR. Nice. And like in there you see it, you see it a lot. Like you you hear a lot of like especially like people like they're so poor that they they'd rather kill themselves and like you hear about families just like ingesting rat poison and just killing everybody. What and, the fuck? Yeah, rather than just being outside homeless. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely well, it's like, you know, it's definitely less shameful. Right. It, that's a sad I mean that in a in a very like I mean that in a like I to live that. I don't mean that it's not shameful to kill yourself and I don't mean anyone who does it's a tragedy and we've all had someone touched by that like you know it's tragedy but what I'm saying is like to sit and watch people pass by and look down on you day by day is gonna be a shameful scenario that's what someone told me after I posted that it's like imagine you're that person and they're asking for help or money whatever it is that they want 
and a thousand people walk by you like they don't even see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how, how does that person, like, I, it, was a, it was a reality shock for me because I had to sit there and be like, wow, like, you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes as well. Yeah. No matter how frustrating And you do, it is. but the problem with that is, and, and like I said, there's no answer to this and there's no right and wrong. The problem with it is, is like, let's say you were a singer and you were, hadn't made it yet. And you're like, you're in your mid 20s, you've no job, but you're a professional singer, like the way, you know, Julio is an artist, right? So you're, professional singer and you're trying real hard and every day you go out and you busk and 10,000 people walk by and you're invisible. That's unfortunately and I'm not saying that's the same thing but what I am saying is like that's part of life. Like you could go to 100 interviews and every time you could never get a look in. That's the way the world we live in is. You know so it's like it's not just for homeless people that's like where every dude who wants to be or girl who wants to be an actor or a model mm. or there's a million and I'm not saying it's the same thing but what I am saying is like that's life like there's yes. a million there's stuff you want to do and everybody who could help you do it thinks you're invisible right or doesn't see you for what you are and the homeless guy the problem with the homeless thing is people fear them right so it's like to acknowledge this person is to potentially like it's almost like looking the way it's almost like if you meet somebody somewhere who you know they're aggressive and you acknowledge them, they might just turn around and be like, what the fuck are you looking at? Yeah. Right? Or they might be, you might, the acknowledgement might actually grant you safety from this person because sometimes the same person who might look at you and say like, what are you looking at? Might know everyone doesn't want to look at them, see someone who doesn't mind and accept it and be like, thank you. But they might also turn around and say like, what are you looking at? Right? So it's like, a lot, a lot of people are a lot more scared than, like, what you might be, what I might be. Kenny, James, like, Kenny, you, when did you move to New York? When I was, like, 10. When you were 10? Yeah. When you were 10, you moved to White Plains? No, I moved to New Jersey, lived there for, like, a year, and then I moved uh, to White Plains. And when you moved to White Plains, you moved over on South Lex? Uh, no, I was, like, by... Uh, Around like the, you know where the city center is? Yeah. Like Battle Hill, like yeah. around that area. Yeah. Right. And how long have you been living over at Selex? Four or five years now. Right. Let me ask you, how well do you know your neighbors? Uh, if I look at I not at all. You don't know them. No. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Say you, you don't, don't know, know them? So this is a crazy thing, right? Where it's like none of us really know our neighbors. And you are living in a place where it's like, and same with Rob. And I've like where I grew up is the same thing, but except we had a much greater sense of community when I grew up in Ireland, I will say that. But to grow up in like an underprivileged neighborhood in New York right now, or to even live in an underprivileged neighborhood in New York right now, they should be the places with the largest sense of community. Yeah. Because that's where it's needed the most. Right? In underprivileged neighborhoods is where people need to lean on each other the most. Like I remember when I was young in Ireland. I remember people borrowing food off each other when they had no food. Like, I remember people being like, oh, there's no milk, like, run across the street to Sue and ask Sue for, like, half of our milk. Run over there and grab a cup of sugar. Run over there and grab a couple of eggs. Like, we had mm -hmm. that. But also, I knew I didn't even need to knock on her door. I could just walk in. Yeah. Right? So it's, like, same with, like, next door to me. Like, I knew the Curvins who lived next door to me. I knew 
all their children. I knew the dad. I knew what they did. You know, I'd ha- jump out their back garden whenever I want and start jumping on their trampoline. And I feel like now you've gotten to a place where it's like the most divided people and the most poverty-stricken people are all the same. And a lot of the problematic things that we see arising from these places comes from the breakdown of our community, not being like friends with each other and from the lack of intervention from the government. Like one thing that the government does that definitely shouldn't be done. And I don't know how, I don't have the answers for a lot of it, but like you can't just give people money, right? Like you can't put someone in charge of three kids and now say, because they have three kids, they need this money. But that's what they want to do because when they do that, they eliminate the need for a father figure. They eliminate the need for another partner to bring an income. Yeah. So now they're keeping the broken household yeah. going. But the, the, and the problem that I'm outlining with it is besides keeping away the father figure and these other things, it's like a lot of the people who are in this situation, I'm not somebody who wants stuff, right? Like I don't spend my money on stuff. Um, I don't want like a nice car. I don't want like, I've had sneakers that were expensive sneakers. I don't want to buy sneakers that were expensive sneakers. I don't want clothes. Like, I don't like that stuff anymore. Um, but if you go to like any girl, not all of them, but any girl between like, you know, 18 to 25 and you get an, a, someone, let's say you get a girl, she's 23 and she's got three kids. She's a single parent, right? The odds that you have a 23 year old with the mentality where they don't want nice stuff, right? Maybe they haven't had the opportunity ever to have nice stuff. So if you haven't had the opportunity to have it, you're always going to want it, right? Um, I'm lucky enough that I had the opportunity to have some stuff that I'd like, like a nice car, had a nice car, didn't do anything for me, didn't help my situation, had nice clothes, didn't help my situation, didn't make me a better person. So I don't seek these things out anymore. But if you get a 23-year-old woman, right? She's young, she's now independent, and she's been given money by the government to mind these kids. A lot more than money than you might realize might go on that woman than the kids. And that's, if you do the same thing with a man, the same thing happens. If you, and now if you add in a drug problem, right, which is like probably 40% of people, right? Like if you add in like, if now this 23 to 25 year old or, you know, 18 year old, if they now like marijuana or they like alcohol or they have an even greater addiction problem to a different drug, how much of the money that's going to this person is bypassing the child? if the community was like enriched in the right way, like the the real right way, like if we had like a tribal community and the money went into the community and the community made sure to have the resources for the children, you would bypass the parents needing the money who may spend it on things that aren't needed, like a new set of, you know, Jordans or, you know, a bag of cocaine or alcohol, right? Like, it's that, that whole saying, though, it takes a village to raise a kid. Or it does. Yeah. Mm. Well, it definitely takes a community. I And I'm not saying that you need a community, but unless you have, like, a strong household. Yeah. If you don't have a strong household, then a community being together and, like, oneness and having the, the sense of community growth as, like, an ideal amongst people, you're definitely going to get a better outcome than... You know, Maria has two kids. 
two boys, they're 12 and 13. She has a problem with like smoking pot or alcohol. She has some some subsidized, you know, funds from the government. She's getting along fair enough, but she still has her own life to live. She's still going to spend money on her habits. She's still going to make sure her nails and hair looks good. She's still going to buy clothes. These kids are going to get less uh, interaction or less like lessons in life than they maybe should had this person come from, like, say it was like two people from the same neighborhood who both had jobs, who both didn't have an addiction problem, who both weren't trying to look like they had money by buying cars and clothes that they can't afford and their main focus was these two kids like the odds of them two kids not getting involved in crime is like dramatic comparatively to a single parent who's been subsidized by the government who has enough money now to spend on what they want who does have a couple of problems who does want a nicer car than they can afford or nicer clothes than they can afford and still has their own life to live and wants to be perceived a certain way all of these things overshadow the children and I feel like that's like a large problem that community and like enriched neighborhoods as opposed to just subsidizing single individuals who may have issues themselves who you're expecting to teach these children stuff that they might not even know to teach them, but you're giving them money and subsidization to expect in this. And you might be expecting too much. And actually the money might be better spent sending in professionals and sending in people who don't have any of these issues or don't have you know, aren't fighting their problems that from their childhood. Like, we don't know what type of issues that you're carrying on from your generational problems on t- to, like, the next generation. That's where I think that nothing's going to work until we fix communities, you know, just having individuals. And all you're going to want to do is get people out of them communities. Mm-hmm. Like, if you make enough money and you're living in a shit place and you understand that it's a shit place and you understand that the mentality of like 50% of the people isn't going to actually help the place, you can't change their mentality. Just like you can't fix all the homeless people. But what you can do is you can get out, right? And then you leave the people who can't afford there and you're bringing the successful people out of this neighborhood, right? And it's just like Rob. Rob doesn't want to live in the South Bronx, right? No. I, I can't wait till the day that I'm out. It keeps me motivated. Yeah. But, but nobody wants now to you've brought some of what this South Bronx creates that's good out of it because yes you know it's like why would you've survived right you've you've essentially made, I'm sure there's days where you look at it and you're like you know what like how many people died before they made it to where I made I it I have to. a lot of friends that are dead yeah and then it's a thing of like okay so you now look at yourself as like okay I'm not just the average guy from here I have got like enough of sense to get me out of this situation. I don't deserve to die trying to get out of this situation, right? Like Absolutely. I deserve, but you're also removing the male from this community that should be the role model. Like Rob potentially could be a role model to a lot of people in the community of the South Bronx where he, his small neighborhood, maybe not the whole lot, but just the facility where he lives. But even your block, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Small, and then alone. if you get successful enough, you jump out of there because that's what you're, you should do because you know the dangers have been there and you know the problems with raising children there and maybe you don't even want the mentality that's in that neighborhood to be the person that you end up married to but now you're in a sense allowing the neighbor 
could they deteriorate further because the successful, intelligent people that do come from this neighborhood, the strong people that do succeed in this neighborhood, they bounce and leave the community hanging. But what would you expect them to do? Right, like as Rob said, is I would do this accent. I've done this accent thing. I'm like, I don't want to live in the community I grew up in. Yeah, me too. I mean, the, the only thing, that, the, the way I see it, the only way I could possibly help is to take care of myself first, make enough funds. Like my problem right now is I cannot find. There is one cafe that opened up that's very recent though. But if you want to grab a, a bite of food, there's nothing healthy around. There's not one location where you can get food that is actually gonna be nutritious for you. So like, the way I see it is. I don't want to stay in that neighborhood. There's no what Gizzies? I can do, <laughs> what I can do is open up something there in the future when I'm well off enough to be able to try to help, and like mm. that's how I would try to give back. But for me to stay there, it's not gonna be. I'm not gonna reach the success that I can reach. And you're gonna risk going by the homeless people every night. Your your grandmother or your mother going by the homeless yeah. people every night. Your son. I was, looking out, my, even I was looking out my window two weeks ago. There's a full-blown shootout going on. You know what I mean? Like, there's a park right across from it. Yeah. How many parents had their kids in that park? And it's like, oh, my God, my kid might be dead because there was a shootout right say there. Say that one more time, Kenny. No, no, I was going to say it's, it could even be, like, the people that, that know you. They're like, oh, they grew up with you, and, and they're jealous of your success. That yeah. happens a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or the just like you're saying is um, the people who you grew up with, who you know, very well, but you've outgrown them, yeah. and they haven't outgrown their own behavior. And now they see you like, oh, you think you're better, you're better than us, yeah. but actually yeah. you're just trying not to be part of the you know negative side of the community. You truly are, you truly are a result of the people that you surround yourself with. I had to cut off a lot of friends Excuse to get me. to the level that I'm at now. That that's generally how it works, right? It's like making friends is easy. When I grew up. My parents used to say to me all the time, go out there and make friends. Go out there and make friends. And we moved a lot, like a lot, a lot. So, man, I, mo- I must have moved, like lived in 20 houses growing up. And every time it'd be like, go out and make friends. And it's like, right, first day, I'm in a new neighborhood. I don't know anybody. I got to go out here and not get bullied. I got to go out here, like stand my ground, but I also got to make friends, right? So I'm like getting sent out here to make fr- Making friends is easy. The problem is, is getting rid of the friends that you make that have bad attributes, or not staying around the people who are friendly to you, who do like you, who are trying to bring, you know, these negative consequence actions into your life or into your circle. And that that's, like, the hard problem. It's like, how many dudes who Rob had to be friends with growing up because maybe they're in the neighborhood, maybe, you know, if you're not friends with this person, there's a risk they're going to do something, whatever the case may be. Now you're friends with this guy, but you're truly not friends with them. You're just trying to keep the peace because you know you have to be in the same vicinity as them. And now you have a situation where, okay, like I have to be nice to this guy and I have to be nice to this guy in front of my child who my child will pick up on this and may think that this is a nice guy. Maybe now I'm not around and he thinks, oh, how you doing, John? Like John's the best dude when actually John's like the guy who you just got to say hello to because he's constantly standing outside the, you know, the complex selling drugs and he has a violent tendency you know and now it's like now your kid's 15 and he thinks john's the man because you've been saying hello to john every day that you walk by because you don't want a problem with john you know and these are the situations that a lot of people face who live in neighborhoods like that which community community stops that like if everybody in the community was like right selling drugs not having it right like selling hard drugs in here like no one around here is going to sell heroin 
if everyone in the community like said, you know what, no one in this block is going to sell heroin and someone kept selling heroin, if everybody turned on them, it would happen quick. Stop. Yeah, it would happen quick where they stop. That's like neighborhoods in Ireland used to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. That was like a thing where it's like they would like essentially evict drug dealers. Now, it's different in every neighborhood and, you know, some neighborhoods have more of a drug problem than others. So it's going to, that's not going to happen easily. But it is all down to the community and what we accept amongst each other. And then it comes down to like, is accepting someone doing something like that beneficial for your children, right? But at the same time, is not accepting it dangerous for your livelihood or dangerous for your child's livelihood because now you're the guy who says you shouldn't do that and you're in a neighborhood full of people who are turning a blind eye to it. So it's like, you know, it's definitely a generational thing for sure. There's no way for it not to be a generational thing. But there's definitely better ways to spend the money that we're spending on it. And there's definitely better ways. Like, no money should be leaving the USA right now, I don't think. Right? No money should be leaving the USA going anywhere in the world right now until the USA fixes the problem of the people that are forgotten in America. And while there's people forgotten in America, you're going you're gonna to have more crimes, more um, problems where half the people want the cops to be more brutal, half the people want the cops to be more lenient. Like we have a huge problem right now inside America in terms of just community and us as community as a country and how split we are. And then we're sending all the money that we make on taxes to other parts of the world. And it's like, we should actually be focusing on fixing the South Bronx. We should be focusing on fixing California, fixing Chicago, fixing the places where you see the really bad poverty-driven crimes, as opposed to just like turning a blind eye to it and now voting in four more years or this year, whatever it is, and thinking the next guy is going to help because the next guy is not going to do anything. No, no one's going to do anything because the how we do things is already set. We're just going to keep like we're going to keep going on the t- trajectory that we're on, and it's going to the problems that we have they're going to get worse, or else it's going to change when we go into this new era of technology. And at mm-hmm. that point, you'll have like these the robot like police. Oh God! And they won't talk to it. Like, no, no, no. It'll be very, very black and white. Yeah. yeah. All the groups yeah. of police that you see now are eventually going to be robots. They, no they, have robot, the they have robot police dogs in New York. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, like, robot police dogs, talk yeah. to a dude who just did a load of heroin as a dog no. that's a robot. Black and white. Right. So like, like, what black are we talking white. about This here? is it's illegal. Like you're you're setting this guy up to get killed Yeah, at a certain point. You know, you bring up a great point because in, in the Scandinavian countries, and I think Norway specifically, they've completely changed their prison system, their incarceration system. So they now look at it completely in regards to rehabilitation. Yeah. So you can look this up. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. So yeah, like Supermax prison or the equivalent of Supermax prisons in Norway is literally like a five-star resort, but it's a five-star resort island. Every inmate is given his own little cabin. Inside his cabin is any sort of resource you could want any sort of musical instrument, internet access, phones, um, any any no, uh, access no to college courses. That's exactly what it is. People come out, dip in the water, go for a swim. People that would come by and see them are like the, the guards, I suppose, if you can even call them guards. Just come in, check in with them, have a cup of tea, how is everything? And the, the big debate with that at the moment is, um, remember there were, I, I can't... Uh, I can't think of the name of the actual um, the actual event that took place, but I remember there was like a 
a summer camp of a bunch of kids on some island and some dude swam out to the island and massacred them all. Yeah. Probably happened like 10 years ago. I remember this. So this guy is going to Supermax prison in Norway. Now, he just murdered a bunch of kids in some island, like cold blood. Came out with some boat with a bunch of guns and just like started killing a bunch of kids. But now, like I said, he is going to be treated with that same level of respect that anybody else has been treated. If they rape somebody or rob something or whatever. And you know, obviously you feel a type of way for what this guy has done. He's just murdered a bunch of kids. But their system has worked so well that they actually have had to close a bunch of prisons because there's not enough people committing crimes to keep these prisons open. That's how much it's changed. But then again, you know, on the back foot, you think this person murdered a bunch of kids out of cold blood. Like, this person does not deserve this treatment. This person deserves to die. Yeah. Now, so that's the complex situation you find yourself in. But I think maybe America took, take something off their book. One of the first things is, like, right, being that a given one of the f- when, when we're talking about a justice system the first thing that should be talked about is like right do we kill people right like because that that's like like I'm you're, sorry you're, but if you kill my kid i want to kill you right but you what, think what, so right? and i'm not saying don't kill as the individual who's had something done by him if you rape me i might want you dead but that doesn't mean that any court on the planet is going to sentence you to death yeah, mm. right i don't think anyone sentences just like a regular rapist to death Sounds terrible, like just like a regular, but I don't think that that's the case. Now, maybe there is, you know, I'm sure probably somewhere like there is, but not in any of the countries we're living in or any of the places that we know about, right? So you've got like uh, really the first thing you should be deciding is like, right, do we kill people, right? Like is it is it humane or inhumane to kill someone regardless of, like we can talk about what crime dignifies or justifies someone to be murdered, but first thing we should be talking about is does a crime actually does it justify someone being murdered? I think if you kill a kid you should definitely get a death penalty. I think if you rape somebody you should get your dick cut off. Right. I think that's fair. Well, if you get your dick cut off you're not raping anybody else. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But you're not. Wrong. Simple as. Yeah. You're not. Right. But now you're back to the Scandinavian. Hmm? Sorry about that. Right. In Scandinavian prison, the, the the thing that might be negative with that is like, and maybe this is kind of how they're looking at it. It if you if I do it and then you do it back to me, am I ever gonna not want to do it again? Like if you punish me for something, you know a bold child. If you punish the kid for something, he's probably gonna do it again. I'm not saying Depends on how bad it is. Yeah, right. But I'm saying is like, right. If I'm if if I'm gonna get grounded and I'm gonna sneak out my window, that would go to say that you grounding me made me sneak out the window. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if 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 I hold a grudge, if while I'm in prison I hold a grudge at you for the justice that you've done to me, when I get out, Am I gonna try get my justification back, even if it's not justice at all? It's just like some crazy guy's opinion on what justice is, right? So, I get locked up for burning your house. You go and get me locked up for burning your house, and then I'm like sitting in jail, being like, when I get out, I'm gonna make sure this time the house gets burnt and he's in it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like that happens. Well, all this the is time, what I'm yeah. saying is like maybe their view on the Scandinavian prison system is like, okay, well, like we shouldn't give these people a reason want to get 
back at us yeah. for incarcerating. And and this goes back to what you were talking about earlier. They look at the problem of crime or you know violence or uh, injustice as a much deeper thing. Yeah. They realize that the people who have committed these crimes, something happened to them way back in the line right. that led them to live this sort of life. Right. And this is what I'm saying is like, right, I don't disagree with what Rob said, but if you cut my dick off, am I going to spend the rest of my life being a menace to the world because of what you've done to me? Well, you can't rape anybody, but at the same time... But I can kill everybody. You could kill everybody, yeah. Right, and, could. and I yeah, could... just might make a bomb. And yeah, or, or, I could, or I could right, just yeah. do worse than raping people. Or do you just kill them? Like, you could, you could sexually assault people in a manner that's far worse mm. because you've decided yeah. I'm going to just terrify people because of what they've made me. And now, like... God, Right, but this is what I'm saying is like the whole thing with the Joker is like we're creating this guy, right? He he wasn't born this way. He's like definitely someone with some sort of mental problem. Yeah. But now how he's been treated creates a worse mental his problem. Over society. Yeah. yeah. There's I, a, I, I do agree with the whole uh, the incarn in, incarceration thing. Yeah. That like uh, that prison style. I I think that it's like definitely something that should be looked into because I think a lot of people need therapy. That's what it is. A lot of people are fucked. A lot of people like shouldn't. A lot of people should be given. Um, even listen, even just a family structure. Yeah. Even just having a family but structure. It blows my mind how rare that is. Don't disagree that yeah. if you kill someone, like maybe you don't get another chance. Uh, it's. I suppose it's like the. Um, Suburbity. No, I, th- I suppose it's like the spectrum. If you look at the the, the decision making as a spectrum, because honestly, I, I suppose when you ask if somebody murders somebody, right, you could do the Norway thing where they murdered this person because of this thing that happened in their childhood or maybe their entire childhood didn't have a chance and they were led to do this. But also you're like, this person just killed somebody. Like, should we just kill them and make sure that this person's never going to do this ever again? I think both of them could work. Yeah. That's the thing. Is well, both one decisions, of them can definitely work. It's just... Like, like if you're dead, definitely you're definitely works. That, yeah, works. that's what I'm saying. The yeah. other one takes <laughs> time, resources, and... Yeah. 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 But that's the it thing. It just depends and it's like, on how you want to go about it. So here's one for you, right? Read this today. Dude in China. Yeah. Kills a lot of kids. Stabs them all. Yeah. With a knife. No gun. Stabs them all. Right? Stabs and then kids. I read a few things that says this is like common. common common in China. So. And why did this happen? Do you read this in America? Rob, yeah. You read the article, right? Yes. Yeah. He got, his kid got knocked down. By somebody with a car. Yes. Whose kid was in this school. It was yeah. a teacher, right? A teacher hit him with a car? Something like that. So, so I don't know the full dynamics. But I, I, was it the teacher purposefully hit the person, or was no. they like backing so, up and the kid walked behind the car? Yeah, kid, like teacher yeah. or some adult apparently, right, knocks down this guy's kid who goes to this school. So the guy loses his mind, goes in and kills a lot of people, including the teacher. Mm-hmm. Right. My point for the scenario is we don't hear of a lot of school shootings in the world, but outside the states, outside of the states, but is it any? If you found out, and I don't know, like I'm, I didn't look that far into this. If you found out there was more or equal amount of people being killed in schools in China via knife attack, would that make your view on school shootings different? No, I, it, would, it would basically finesse the point that banning guns isn't going to change the situation. Right, but this is my point. is like, would it change your views? Like finding out, finding out, Let's say we were all completely unknown that this happens in China. 
And you find out that actually the same thing happens in China. They just don't have guns, so they use knives. But it's not any less severe. Uh, not even severe, but like it's not any less, um, like, like how many times it happens. It's not any less like not convenience the wrong word, but um, like it's not any harder to do, right? It's not any like having a gun doesn't actually make what we're doing here more difficult. Like, not I'm saying this out of just like hypothetical i go into a school and i decide i want to kill 20 kids right does anyone here believe that i'm not going to be able to kill 20 kids like if i walked into a random school and decided to do that like if i armed myself with like a five inch knife i could kill 20 kids in any given school right like allegedly (laughs) <laughs> right, I, I obviously have no plans in doing this obviously yeah, of course. it's a heinous yeah, crime yeah, yeah, my, my point dark. is just like is it any more effective than having the gun right like no, it's, it's, it's easy to me it's more if, if I was trying to kill a bear right yeah. hear me out if I was trying to kill a bear or a wolf you might be like having the gun is way more convenient yeah. but when you're talking about killing like innocent Unarmed people children who are, you could easily murder with or without a gun Having a knife is just as effective and might even be cause less like hysteria. Like if I walked into a high school in White Plains and just wait until the bell rang and there's just hundreds of people walking through the school, you're telling me that I can't like just take out 10 kids without anyone even really noticing what's happening? Mm. If I went in and started shooting a gun, everyone would know real quick there's someone in here shooting a gun. I just find it very like... It's very strange to see something like this happen in another country when we've kind of focused this only as if it's an American thing and only it's a gun thing. And then you see it happening in China, the exact same scenario, but they're using a different weapon. Mm. And now it's like, right, so do we blame the weapon? Or is this something that's done out of like trying to get a point across to someone, like a mentally unstable person? Isn't that sort of like everything's just a tool, like the actual evil just comes from people? Oh well, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I I'm gonna push back a little bit on this because let me start by prefacing that I grew up on a farm. So in my house, there was guns in my house. I grew up in with guns in my house from a very very young age. In fact, one of my most one thing that always brings me back to my childhood is when I smell gunpowder. Like if I go out and shoot yeah, trap or something, yeah, the smell just brings me back to my childhood. Like all my uncles would have been around. My dad would have been around. They all just came back from the States and they were buying like really nice shotguns and stuff. And I was around my uncles like shooting stuff. And it was just, it just brings me back. But anyway, um, to the point that you bring up, I definitely think that people have the capacity to commit terribly evil crimes and they will do it regardless of the weapon that they used. Now, that being said, a gun specifically is only made to kill people. Like a knife, for example. You can use a knife for a ton of things. Even like a real dangerous, badass-looking one. You can use that for camping. You can use that to cut rope. You can use that to sharpen up sticks. You can use that to butter bread for a bunch of things. You can't use a gun to butter bread. You can't use a gun to cut tread. Like a gun is made specifically to kill people. Now it's also used to protect. You know, so you can use it on that end as well. I think if you you had like a a semi-automatic weapon that's capable of shooting like 50 rounds in you know, 30 seconds, you're going to do a lot of damage, you know. If you're a highly trained dude and you're sneaky and you have a knife, you can also do a lot of damage. But 
I don't know. I, I think, uh, like, stabbing 10 people, not stopping after the first one. You know what I mean? Like, I think a gun is easier to knock some, a couple people down because you're not thinking about it. It's happening so fast. But, but to stab someone, you go in. You feel yourself pierce that. You understand? Like, you, you, that's happening. After you do that once to one person, for you to keep going on to 10 people. Mm, you have to be psychotic. Exactly. Like, yeah. you, I, don't think you, I don't think there's reha- rehabilitation available for that. You, this is a kid. You mm. know what I mean? Like, you just stabbed a kid. After the first one, you should have been like, oh, my God, I made a mistake. This is, like, I, I was just angry. Like, stop. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was angry for my child. Like, this yeah. happened. Like, stop. Instead of doubling down. Yeah. Like, come on. I think guns are easier to shoot and kill someone without any remorse because it just happened. Like, you know, but a stabbing motion, sticking a knife into somebody, pulling it back out. It happens a lot in China. It happens a lot in China. happens a lot in China. Where people, they stab Hammers and knives. Hammers and knives. A lot. Yeah. In the UK, the knives and the acid acid attacks? Yeah, but not so much in schools. It just, that happens. Street. street. Yeah, Yeah, street crime. Street crime. It's a strange one. Well, I know that it's it's just that China has no guns yeah. and that they still have mass killings in schools. Yeah, there was a whole stigma around it being the U.S. and the reason for it was because of guns in the U.S. Yeah. Like, Whereas it's still happening. If you places. can go into a school and just kill 10 kids. With a household thing. Well, then, like, are we stopping anything no. by, by canceling guns? Yeah. It would just go to say that there would be more people stabbed in America yeah. in schools. I'd be happy to no have guns. a gun. If somebody was stabbing ten people, of course, that much. Ready, yeah. yeah, we should wrap this up. We got business. All right, lads. Another episode of the, well, uh, the Naked and Famous podcast. Uh, Daniel Cattle here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining, guys. Rob Bieber. Thanks, folks. Jimmy B. Oh, I'm saying bye. bye. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye. K Love. <laughs> Kenny Love in the building. <laughs>